When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. It's the Blue Room. It's your weekly show. We are live on YouTube and, of course, we are on podcast as well. Thanks very much to everyone who's watching this on YouTube, tuning in. Appreciate it. Do make sure you get involved in the conversation as well. If you've got any questions for any of our guests today, do let us know um, on anything. Uh, transfers, um, everything. You know, Barcelona, potentially signing Michael Keane. Is that going to happen? Uh, I'm Ronald Koeman. I'm Ronald Lukaku. All that sort of stuff. Uh, but joining me today to chat about all things toughies. Uh, Dave Downey. Dave, how are you, mate? I'm okay, mate. Yeah, there's no chance of Michael Keane going to Barcelona. Let's well, get that one out the way straight away. Let's hang on before we discuss that, you know, because, you know, it's been... There's nothing to discuss. Michael Keane's not going to Barcelona. Uh, Sarah Halpin joins us as well, albeit we can't get a video to work. Uh, so whenever Sarah speaks, she's going to see her name, but that's all right, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah, I apologise. Well, maybe it's not an apology. Maybe people are grateful of it, so uh, it might be a blessing <laughs> in disguise for some people, but yeah... Um, <laughs> We did try, we did try, but my camera's having none of it today. I secretly think Matt's just blocked me out, but we'll. we'll. <laughs> and uh, joining us again, uh, for, you know, he's been all around the world. He's been stuck on a cruise ship for two months. Uh, it's Mickey Horton. He's, he's back again. Mickey, how are you, mate? How you doing, mate? I'm sound. Good pal. I think there's more chance of Robbie Keane playing up front for Barcelona than Michael Keane going. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Roy. But, but, oh, yeah. but yeah, you know, Mickey, you've been you've been all, all over the place, obviously. And you just say before we came on, you were basically stuck on a boat in Manila for two months, weren't you? I was, pal. Yeah, I was stuck on a cruise ship. Uh, lots of countries turned us away, mate. Obviously, cruise ships got a bit of a bad press, didn't they? So a lot of countries were saying, "No thanks, uh, turn around, go somewhere else." And God bless the Philippines. Eventually, uh, after about two months bobbing up and down in the South China Sea, uh, the Philippines let us in. And uh, eventually, I managed to get home, mate, about two months ago now. So, nice to be back in the cold and the wind and the rain. How on earth are you keeping yourself busy during that? So, so was there any footy on during that time or not? No, mate, no footy, zero. So, obviously, I'm a, a DJ, don't I? So, I was literally, all the passengers we managed to get off, uh, but we still had a lot of crew on. So, I had to download 112 Bulgarian albums because, obviously, we've got a lot lost of European <laughs> Lots of European uh, crew on board and uh, Eastern European crew. So obviously my uh, my musical knowledge mate has got better around Eastern Europe now. Well, I was going to say, you bet you went off to, to date with your, your Bulgarian tunes in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you'll, you'll have to spend some over at the end. Uh... I'll send some over, Bob. You'll have a party. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly we can flog Michael Keane to Barcelona for a, a good price anyway. But, uh, you know, uh, Dave, you, you joked about there, but I think it's, it's one of them where, you know, silly season is fully in force now when you're seeing stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah, you'll see stupid rumours like that all over the place, won't you? I saw that Leeds are potentially in for Edison Cavani. 
Um, I've I've seen a few ones that you look at and think, how's that going to happen? But invariably, you see one or two that do do come off every single summer, don't you? You see players drop up at clubs where you think that's that, that's not even imaginable that they've ended up at certain places. But um, the Michael Keane rumor is the figment of someone's imagination there. Uh, I have no idea why anyone would take that seriously because, uh, well, first of all, Barca skint. So they couldn't give us the money we wanted for him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there, there we go, sir. A Barcelona come to forward, Michael Keane. You'd have thought it, eh? I, I wasn't sure whether this was one of uh, Keith Azul's doings, to be honest, yeah, when I saw yeah. this doing the rounds earlier. But um, yeah, you know what? Stranger things have happened, though, as you say. You never know if they tuned into Everton since Ancelotti came in. He's picked up form a bit. They might yeah. not before that. Maybe they're like, he's some, he's some player, him. And uh, yeah future England captain, let's get him over to Barca. But no, I, I can't personally see this one happening. But with human, you know, he does look, so we'll wait and see. But I tell you what, that'll just be, football for me will have will, will have hit new new heights or lows or whatever you want to say if that one comes up. Absolutely, absolutely, mate. But yeah, I'll come to you, come back to you first on this one, Sarah, quickly, and, and then to Mickey, because I've spoken to Dave about this a little bit already this week. But but Koeman going to Barcelona in, in general, what are your thoughts on that? Because it's you know it's one of them, isn't it? He's done okay at the Netherlands, but you look back at his, his time with Everton, you look back at you know his last job in Spain with Valencia, and and he ultimately failed in in both of them. It's you look at Barcelona's situation, the players they've got, the presidential situation, you just have to direct the football. Um, it feels like he might be on a bit of a hand to nothing there, despite being a, a club legend. Yeah, and you know, you look at it, and for me, that's yeah. As you said, he's done all right with the with the Netherlands, but you look at the team they've got and the players that are at his disposal. Um, it's hard not to do well. I think was well. It's easy to say that, but I mean, I don't have a, a great lot of love for for the man. As I think. Most Evertonians will agree, and we saw that what he did at Everton brought in a load of players um, that didn't fit, spent a load of money, and you know we had a decent first season because we had some good players in there like Lukaku and the like and and Barkley. But just look at what happened to the football club after he was here. I think he set us back a lot, in my personal opinion. Um, and when he hasn't got the players, like you said, Barcelona, who knows if Messi's still going to be there. They're in a real, real mess right now. Um, so I think he's got a massive, massive job on his hands and only time will tell. But it does make me laugh how these managers who seem to seem to get us into really bad situations always go on to manage like the biggest teams in the world. But uh, yeah, we'll see what he does there. But um, yeah, it's a strange one, that. What do you make of it, Mickey? Mental, absolutely mental. Um, he's obviously going in. He's a, a bit of a dead man walk, and obviously, I think it's you know precarious. Obviously, the way they uh, they got a good spanking the other night, didn't he as well? So he, you know he had to go. But it's just, I mean, I believe he is in in house squabbling with all the players. I think Eric Abidal as well has just been safe, Danny. He had to go. Um, but you would think that Marco Silva's probably rubbing his hands together, didn't he? Next in line, he's got most things. There's got to be a decent job for me after Roberto landing the Belgium job. Obviously, now Koeman going into the Dutch job, followed by the Barcelona job. Um, and it does make you think sometimes, you know, how bad are we? How bad must we be? If some of these managers are going in and they're still sort of, you know, th- th- there's teams coming in for them. So, you know, you just wonder uh, what a job that uh, Carlo's got on his hands with Everton at the moment because uh, 
you know, these boys couldn't do nothing with us. They, they made made a, a bit of a bad job. But I think the whole thing with with Koeman as well as him and the whole Steve Walsh thing didn't, you know, it didn't work, did it? So uh, I can't see Stevie going to uh, Barcelona with him anytime soon either. Uh, does does it make you know? Mickey said there, Dave. It's quite interesting in in that regard. You know, Roberto Martinez has gone on to do well at Belgium. Ronald Koeman's done well with the Netherlands. Gone, you know, gone to manage Barcelona. Now, is it one of those cases where sometimes you've got to go? Maybe it's not everybody else. Maybe it's us. Well, I think that is the case, to be honest, because I'm I'm not as I'm I'm very scathing about his time with us. Thought it was dreadful. However, and ended up with them and. His, his demise brought about Sam Allardyce's appointment as well, so we can't really can't really forgive him for that either. But I, I do feel as if it's very easy to cast off managers as being poor if they don't if they simply don't do it at your club. I think we've seen it many times, haven't we? With with, with various managers in the past, you think of like I don't know, spring into my mind, Andre Vias Forest, who did a fantastic job in Europe, but when he comes to the Premier League, he was found out at, at both Chelsea and Spurs and. I'm pretty sure both of those clubs would say that he's he's a bit of a laughing stock, and he'd rather forget about his time there. With with Cumin, Everton seemed to be the exception in his managerial career because he was fine at Ajax. I'm sure they'd say Valencia a little bit indifferent, but one trophy there. Um, you know, you look at Southampton; he guided them to seventh place. Ultimately, why we went went to get him as well. So and, and the Netherlands, he's done a fantastic job. I'm, I'm pretty sure that everybody in Holland would say that they're sad to see him go because the transformation that he's been through with him, albeit with you know some of the best talents in the world, certainly at centre half in Lipton and Van Dijk, you can't really do much wrong there, can you? But that that I think he managers quite often get tainted with with either the previous role, sort of they're only as good as the previous role, when quite clearly something clicks with him when he's when he's working across Europe, perhaps not in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think there's an element of that. There's an element of that with Martinez as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure if you were to, to speak to him nowadays, he'd be saying, well, I, I thought I did an adequate job at Everton and I just wasn't supported financially maybe in those last couple of seasons when things started to go wrong and stuff. Look, we're, we're far more emotionally invested in that and, and it's difficult to pull yourself away from your personal feelings towards the likes of Koeman and Martinez and how it all ended. Um, but quite clearly, other, other clubs see him as something different, see these people as as, some, as figures that should be involved at, at a particular level. It goes to show, doesn't it, football? It literally failure pays, doesn't it? You, know, you get paid off handsomely if the club chooses to sack you. And then in the, in the case of Koeman and, and Martinez, you go on to bigger and better things. It's quite remarkable. Yeah, but I, I, I agree with them. With Mickey in general, with the, the sort of job that he did, and said it as well, it was it was forgettable at Everton. It set us back a long, long way. How much you label him, or how much you label Steve Walsh at the time, you know, purely speculative. Whether they were his players, whether they were Walsh's players, whatever it is, um, he, he certainly didn't do anything decent for Everton, and he left us in a mess. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand why Barcelona feel that way. But they, then again, like Mickey says, he's on a hard to nothing over there, I think, because they're giving him a two-year deal. As we found out this morning, one year they can cut its all ties with him. And the president that's favoured to get the job in March next year has promised the Barcelona faithful that Javi is coming anyway. So he's got no money to spend and he's got a side that's pretty down on the torch. He's now probably the worst Barca side we've seen for many years. So best of luck, Ronald.
So he's going to get another payoff after the year by the, by the looks of it. <laughs> well, if, it if, if there's a cut-off contract, I mean, I, I don't think yeah. it can if they've got that clause, but he quite clearly is not going to turn it down despite, you know, how good Holland are. Uh, he's not going to hang around there if the, the dream comes along. I mean, he was always talking about Barcelona wherever he'd been, hasn't he? He's been talking about he sees everywhere else as a stepping stone. I think it's one of the main reasons why we all didn't take to him in the first place because he had that he had that thought in his mind straight away at Everton, didn't he? That it was a stepping stone. And um, he's right in the end, though, isn't he? Ironically, he is right Everton with stepping stone to get to Barcelona. Yeah, I think whilst we was expecting him to end up at Barcelona, it was maybe by virtue of him doing a good job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Being pinched by them in a, in a few years' time. But uh, yeah. obviously, it will be interesting to see, see how that one goes. Um, Besides from that, Everton, you know, a bit of Everton news um, away from transfers. There's not tons about, so we are going to be focusing mainly on on the transfer stories. They will start off with the you know the talk of one potential outgo, and I'll come to you first on this one, Mickey. Before before Sarah, um, over the weekend, um, Tom Davis was linked with a move to, to Newcastle United, and me and Davis speaking to, to John Richardson, who's a journalist this morning, who's a Newcastle fan, who sort of said, "Please, not to keep him away from." from our football club, we didn't want him anywhere near Newcastle. And obviously this is split opinion on, on Twitter. Some people just don't want to sell him. Some people think he's got potential. Some people want him out the door for you know, nothing. And there's some who'd say, yeah, I'm not too sure, but if we get a good sort of amount of money for him, it's probably the right deal for everyone. I mean, as you look at it now, is 12, you know, first and foremost, is 12 million pounds enough for Tom Davis for you to think, yeah, time to move him on? Such a tough one, mate, because I think we all forget how actually young Tom Davis is. I think, is, is he 20 now? Is he 19 or 20? He's 21, isn't he? Is he? Okay. Okay. So, and I think, obviously, he burst onto the scene as a kid. Probably the worst thing that could have happened to him, wasn't it, scoring that goal? He's 20, uh, since 22 that, years, Mickey. 22 years. All right. Okay. So, he's a bit older than what I thought, actually. Um, I was trying to give him the benefits of the doubt a little bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and as I say, obviously, since he scored that goal, there's just been a huge amount of pressure on him. Uh, obviously, young local lad. I just think he's been given chance after chance after chance. And for me, personally, he just doesn't cut it. I don't think he's good enough for Premier League football. And I think he's probably really lucky, a club like Newcastle coming in for him. Um, if we can get round him... I mean, the market's so difficult to judge, isn't it? Obviously, with, with the whole COVID situation, trying to judge a, a right fee for selling players and bringing players in is really difficult at the moment but I think if we can get you know maybe 15 20 million for him I think it probably would be time to let him go and it's a shame because obviously you know he's a good lad and that night you know local lad everything about him is is, is really nice he, he's never on the front pages of the newspaper he's you know he, he conducts himself right it just seems that I think we need to rebuild in the midfield and obviously we need to get money in and uh, yeah, if, if they come in with between 12, 15 million, I just think it's it's probably the right time and it'd be a good move for uh, both the club and, and the player himself. Yeah, let us know your thoughts on this in the, the comment box on YouTube as well. Um, be interesting. It does seem to be quite a, a divisive one. Uh, what, what, what do you think, Sarah, on that? Yeah, I was quite surprised, to be honest, Matt. I didn't expect Tom to be one of the first ones that was being linked with a move away. Um, mixed emotions for me on this. Like I'm, I'm with Mickey in the sense that we do need to totally build that midfield. Um, it's been a mess, hasn't it? And I know, you know since we lost Garner, obviously the Gabarman situation's been awful. Then we had the injury to Gomez. It's just not been working out. With you know, Snydlin's gone now. Gilfie Sigurdsson's not been 
um, performing as as you would need and require him to do. And and neither is Tom. And I, I feel a bit sorry for him in the sense that he he does always give give it everything. He never shies away, and he's been again given a really tough task this season and thrown into all kinds of messes um, in that midfield. But yeah, it might be the best thing for him as well to start somewhere new and, and get a new club in in Newcastle. You know, it's they've got a big fan base, good stadium, and that they'll be in, uh, in the Premier League. I know they're obviously in a very different situation than what they foresaw a few weeks ago. It's a bit madness, you know. You've seen on Twitter people saying we thought we were going to sign Mbappe, and now we're being linked with Tom Davis and, and all that kind of thing. And it is madness when you look at what's happened there with the um, the takeover, but. Yeah, in terms of Tom, if, if he stays, I'm, I'm happy enough. If he was to go out on loan, I'm happy enough. Um, if he was to be sold, I'm happy enough. But if he stays, I, I don't think any of us can be under the illusions that it would be um, that he's going to be starting in that midfield. I think we, we pretty much need an entire new midfield. Um, so, yeah, it, it ultimately depends on Ancelotti, but he's he, he has been giving him game time. So... Um, we'll have to wait and see. But if he was to move on to Newcastle, you know, clearly I wish him nothing but the best. I mean, we're, we're, I'm not entirely sure these rumours are going to are going to carry much weight. Whether Newcastle's going to bid for him, you know, I've seen him before. Actually, that you know, Jeff Hendricks looks like he's going to be on his way there as well. So he's going to get strength in the midfield in that sense. But I think it's it's prompted an interesting discussion and just trying to look at this a, a different way. There, you know, as as Mickey was saying there, I didn't realise Tom Davis was. Was quite so, you know, not old, but older in very commas, you know, 22 years old now. He's been on the scene for a while. He's played 100 games for Everton, and we don't really, we don't really seem to know the best way to use him. He doesn't really seem confident. He's not really kicked on as a player. And I was just thinking, if you put yourself in his shoes, what, what do you think he's thinking this summer? Because Everton are being linked with a lot of midfielders. He signed a lot of midfielders last summer. And I think he will be the first to admit that when he got his chance in the games post-lockdown and you know, thinking about the domestic side derby, that chance he missed. The next game after that, he was hooked against Norwich at half-time. And he was just in and out the side by virtue of the fact that we had nobody else really in the team. And we were just sort of moving, you know, <laughs> moving deck chairs on the, the, the deck of the, the Titanic, if you will. And it was, I just sort of thought, what, what would you want to do if you were Tom Davis this summer? At 22, experience in the Premier League, your career's meandering a little bit. Surely you'll be thinking, maybe it's time for me to move on as well. Well, like I said, it says what happens with him and what he, he decides to do. Indeed, if it's left up to him, will indicate how much ambition the lad's actually got. Now, quite clearly, there's an emotional attachment because he's never told him. Uh, he's been throughout academy system after uh, Spell Tramir when he first sort of made his way as a footballer when he was a kid. Now, if you're reading the writing on the wall and Everton are about to sign possibly a glut of midfield players, we hope, um, adds the, add to the fact that Quite clearly, the manager has seen issues there because he's hooked them at half time and things like that. I felt, I feel as if you got me saying Cumin again. <laughs> I get the feeling that Ancelotti, when he's mm-hmm. hooked him and, things, and on the occasions when he's uh, he's decided to put him back into the team, it's been more a case of necessity rather than uh, preference, really. And uh, I would be disappointed if I if I'm sitting there as, as him now. If I've got the ambition to be a top-level Premier League midfield player, or even a, just a Premier League midfield player that starts games all the time, I'm I'm thinking Everton's not the place for me. Um, now you can have the attitude of let's stay and fight for the shirt, things like that. But like you said, and this is where I do have sympathy with him. 
there's a, there's a guy on Twitter who, who wrote something the other day saying Everton have let him down. Now, I wouldn't go that far in the slightest at all because you have to take responsibility for your own actions. And when he's had the chance, he just simply hasn't delivered in anywhere near enough the amount of games that you'd, you'd expect them to or um, even have a, have a sort of a standard that he aspires to. You know, he's not the type of player that you throw in and know that you're going to get invariably a six, even a five out of ten performance. Um, and even his best games in an Everton shirt haven't been that productive. I don't think that's unfair to say either. So if you're him, you're like, okay, well, I've got a chance to go to a save to Newcastle. I've got a chance to go to a Premier League club and really prove myself. It's a clean slate for me. I don't have that burden of being an Everton fan um, and, and having people put pressure on me like they may have done with the likes of Ross Barkley beforehand, Leon Osman springs to mind. And, and it's a clean slate and, and, and a fair chance. But he will be torn by that, Matt, because let's face it, we're all Evertonians. If you had the option to play for Everton, even in a bit part role, you'd still probably consider that a lot better than going somewhere else and, and playing first team football all of the time. So I think he needs, and, and obviously we know his agent really well, uh, and, and he'll give him the best advice. I have no, no doubt about that. I'm, I'm almost certain. Well, I am certain Neil Sang will give him give the best advice and what's best for his career. But ultimately, it comes down to his personal decision. If he wants to stay at Everton, nobody's going to stop him from leaving it, nobody's going to make him leave to the say which is a difficult one for him to cope with because he could end up then in a situation where he is just rotting on the bench and he's better than that he is better than that um, as much as I've had frustrating conversations about him and had to go to the extremities of calling him a not a good footballer there is something there I don't think it's enough but I think it's enough to make it a, a career out of being a competent you've just mentioned Jeff Hendrick going to Newcastle there He's probably in that mould. He's, he's pro- that's probably him, a, a sort of half-decent midfield player who'll get stuck in and will find a pass for you. But at Everton, you were crying out for more consistency than that. You need to do a little bit more than that because, let's face it, the midfield players we've had over the last three, four, even five years have been allowed to get away with murder in that team. And it's about time that changed right now. So, uh, clean slate, fresh start. I think 12 to 15 million, like Mickey says, is probably a decent deal for all concerned. And, and that's sadly probably what the end of him would look like if, if things go to plan. But I'm, I'm, I'm certain he wants to stay. He, he will tell everybody he wants to stay. I want to fight for this place. I just don't think it's going to work out for him. 121 games he's played in an Everton shirt. How many of them can we say we've got the player we thought he was or we've got somebody who's going to change games and, and be a be a positive force in our side. Sadly, it's not that many. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to see how he'd handle life outside of the Everton bubble as well. You know, yeah, so- that, that's an excellent point. That, that's an excellent point because he's he's been brought up in the in the safety bosom of Everton, hasn't he? Really, he's had that sort of a safety net, if you like, of being a local lad who's done nothing but be affiliated with our club and he's steeped in the history La la la, all that stuff. Um, for him to go out into the wide open world, it, it'd be like any of us first starting a brand new career or a brand new job somewhere. It, it'd be entering the unknown. So, I mean, it'd be a mental challenge for him as much as it would be in terms of actually performing on the pitch as well. I, I, I'd be really intrigued if he goes somewhere like Sarah says. I'd wish him nothing but well because he's, he, he's given everything, but unfortunately, and, and it's regrettable to say it, but it's just not enough. And he's not good enough. Yeah, uh, going to be interesting developments anyway. Uh, I've got a feeling he'll still be in next season anyway. I do. I do. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. I think I've already confirmed to go out 
alone. Um, let's have a chat about some of the, the plays we've been linked with. And do you, know, do you know what? First and foremost, I'll come to you first on this, Sarah, before, before going to Mickey. Um, have any of the players that Everton have been linked with really excited you? Because I've, I've sort of looked at them and gone, yeah, all right, functional midfielder. Yeah, you know, could offer us a presence. You know, we've been like with experienced right backs, but there's not really been any of them where I've gone, oh, you know, bloody hell, I really, really hope we sign in. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, I don't know if that's too much of a bad thing, to be honest, because I think back to a lot of the uh, signings that I've been excited about and it's not worked out too well. Maybe it's time we need to bring in a few to just just steadily and solidly improve the team in that midfield. And one that I will say does excite me and one that looks apparently like it's going to come off if you believe everything that's being speculated about is Alan. Um, I just think that, Somebody like that in the midfield who's so aggressive um, and strong and kind of a bit of a nutter by the looks of things. I feel like that's the kind of player that we're, we're crying out for. And obviously, he's, he knows Ancelotti well and that's someone that seems to have been identified. And the Corey as well, you know, I'm a big fan of his. Um, it's not like we're looking at bringing in a huge massive name uh, well mind you if we were to get Thiago Silva in uh, the back that's that's still sort of doing the rounds but yeah I don't think it, it is going to end up being a window like we'd maybe hoped for pre-pandemic um, that we'd be able to hopefully bring a load of top signings in and you know there's less time but no one's really you know getting me too excited and you know excited about looking forward to players that are coming in and wearing the blue shirt but yeah Alan I think for me is what we need but there's so many areas that need improving um, that I feel like this is just going to be the, the first step and we need to act quickly if you know we've got a game haven't we on Saturday <laughs> and it's like wow but yeah there's, there's no one that's going to get us too excited I don't think is basically what I'm saying but there's players that are being linked that I think we definitely need. Yeah, what about you, Mickey, you're getting Decore or Alan on the back of your shirt if you're uh... <laughs> I just think with the players that we've link, been linked to, mate, it's something we've just got to get used to now. Um, we're so down the list now of, of teams that where players want to come to. Um, you know, I could, there's probably seven or eight in the Premier League now that are all above us that can offer, you know, European football. We don't have that to offer them. We've got probably the Carlo effect. You know, we're lucky that we've got a manager that people are aware of, that is known throughout the world. So we've got the Carlo effect. We've got a few quid and we can probably mm. pay decent money. And we're so lucky that we've got all of that because, as I say, I think clubs otherwise wouldn't come to us. I think, obviously, I live up here in Blackpool and when you go to the fair, if you don't do too well, you pick a prize off the bottom shelf instead of the top shelf. And I think that's exactly where we are at the moment. Um, so, as I say, you know, the Carlo effect, I like to decorate, mate. I like him, I do. Uh, I think he's a little bit hot and cold. Um, I think he's a little bit of a big fish in small pond as well. But from what I've seen of him, I think he's okay. And from what's out there, and I think who we're going to be linked with, he'd be one that I would think would certainly improve our midfield. I think that's what we've got to look at. Players that are not so much big names, but are certainly going to improve what we've got. Uh, obviously, the uh, the difficult uh, thing there will be dealing with Wofford. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At, at the moment, Dave, it looks you know the rumours are being believed. It, it, it appears as though it could be Decore for a fee in the region of twenty to thirty million uh, pounds. I think the report from the the Evening Standard uh, over the last couple of days has said it's going to be twenty five million Watford are, are after. Um, so you'd, you'd imagine it could get done round about there, and then Alan potentially on loan from Napoli. And with that in mind, you know, I think I think. 
I think if you look at getting both of them for next season for a, a total of 25 million, uh, while I probably got concerns about the style of both of them and how they fit together in the same team, that, that does seem like pretty sound business, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. Um, and, and I hate this phrase, but the, there needs to be a realistic approach to this because, like Mickey said, and he's absolutely spot on. There are at least eight clubs in that league who uh, would would command uh, a better quality of play than we would right now, regardless of the finances that are quite obviously still there, and and regardless of Carlo Ancelotti. Players want Europe and players want Champions League football. They want Champions League as a priority. If not, they want to play in the Europa League. That's just the way it is. You look at Aubameyang at Arsenal. Pound to a penny, I think he'd be off if they didn't have Europa League football next season because he sees it as something he can go and win with Arsenal and players want to showcase their talents at that level. We don't have that right now. Like Mickey said, the one uh, ace in the pack we do have is, is Ancelotti. And I, 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 I sound like a broken record this summer saying it, but I'd, I'd be really downbeat and concerned about Everton if we didn't have him as the manager. Can you imagine going into this summer having finished 12th with Marco Silva still in charge? Who could you possibly? look at getting to improve that midfield. Now, with that in mind, we slip into this territory of anyone's better than what we already have. And that's where we have to be really, really careful because that's a, a trap we've gone down in the past, haven't we? When we've recruited players in the past and thought, yeah, this guy's the one, like Sarah was saying, in terms of just getting some sort of improvement in. And any improvement is an improvement, so we should all be happy with it. It's not really the case, is it? We need a substantial improvement. We need players that are going to take us from 12th to challenging for Europa League spot and getting the Europa League spot. You look at clubs like Wolves, um, you know, even even Newcastle without the takeover. Do you know what I mean? They're talking about another consortium getting together and buying them out. It, it just concerns me that we're sliding that by the wayside. And if you stand still in this league, you do, you plummet. Um, and, and that's what's happened to us, isn't it? We, we've invested loads and loads of money over the years and not got any better, whilst everybody else seems to have improved in quite a linear sort of way in the league. And, and we have we have problems there, and I'm sure there are other sides as well. You know, even look at Leeds coming up. If they if they're to get the financial back and it's reported there as well, that, that's another another iron in the fire that we have to contend with. So those two players you've mentioned there, I, I think are substantial improvements in, in just the basic areas. Uh, and, and that is having some legs in there, having a physical presence and, and lads who run and run and run. Now, Alan, like I said, I said that he's one that excites me from what I've seen of him because he just seems to have this bullish attitude in midfield of constantly hunting down the ball. Um, he's the type of player that is, a, and again, I hate making comparisons to previous players, but he's a Drissa Gay like in terms of his press and action. He likes to hunt for the ball in midfield. There's a few clips been doing the rounds already of him when he's basically just ran into like three or four tackles consecutively banging into players, winning the ball back. What more does a good as a crowd love than that sort of thing? They love all that. Um, so he looks like somebody who'd endear himself to the fans straight away with that with that attitude of sort of never say die. That attitude sadly has been missing from the squad. So even from a mental point of view, I think he'd give us a bit of a lift. And Decore is a player we, we've had on our radar for quite some time, haven't we? Uh, I, I agree with Mickey. I think he's spot on again there in his inconsistencies. But that's why he's playing in a relegated team. That's why with all due respect to ourselves, Everton are interested in him because he's not the finished article. The hope is here that we sign players in that bracket of, well, they're inconsistent, but on the day they're really good. And the hope is that you've got a manager like Ancelotti and the team that he's got there that'll turn those 
quite poor performances into average performances, and then we get more and more of a consistent level from both midfield. So if we went into the season lining up with Gomez, Decore, and uh, Alan as a three, that to me is a substantial improvement, and we couldn't really ask for much more at this stage. I think everybody's woken up to the fact that this, once again, how many times we said it, is a long-term project, and it's something we all need to be patient with and stuff like that. I've seen people have a go at the ages and, uh, and profiles of these players. Alan's 29. Mm. I think uh, is 27. Gomez is already 27. Um, but, but that's not an ageing midfield, is it? Let's be honest. People just seem to have this obsession of getting young players in the door. No way, no, no higher than like 23, 24 years of age. But these are hardened footballers who, who are nowhere near the veteran stage and should be either at their or approaching peak of their career. So it should be it should be exciting if, they, if those two come in. I'd be I'd be really happy. I'd love one more. Uh, I have to say I'd love one more midfield player because that would mean uh, if the four of them are all fit and you're only choosing two, maybe three of them every game, the one that's spare isn't actually that bad. That's going to come into it. The concern for me is if you just sign two of them, if one, even if one of them's injured, we're going into Sigurdsson, Tom Davis territory, aren't we? Which is still like a, a big issue for us given the problems they've all had. Yeah, well, I suppose it goes to the as well. And what do you think about Gabalman, isn't it? Whether he can come back and be and be something. I think with, with that, Matt, I, I think you have you have to write him off for now. You have to write him off. And anything we get from him, as far as I'm concerned, right now, is a bonus given the injury he's had. People will say, "Oh, he, you know, he's part of Everton's future." Things like that. I think it's unfair to set any level of expectation with the lad, considering he's had two career-ending injuries. Uh, you don't know how players are going to be when they come back. Look at what look at the reaction to Gomez. And, and people talking about how long-lasting his ankle break was. We, we don't know how players will react from injury, and, and it's very rare in the modern game that players haven't suffered those really bad ones, come back and, and find the level either that they were at or one that where they can get better. So I, I, anything from him is a bonus as far as I'm concerned because when you have that sort of luck, you know, if, you, if, you, if you're playing again, you, you feel quite lucky. Yeah, it's interesting there, Sarah, as well, what Dave said about the, the profile of play in regards to... We, you know, the two midfielders that we're strongly linked with are 27 and 29. The fullbacks we've been linked with recently are like 28 and, and 29 as well. And I think going into this summer, we sort of, I think at the end of the season, a lot of us said we need to get younger players into the squad that can grow and develop and you know, we can move on for a profit, go back to that, that you know, classic director of football model. And it doesn't look as though everything are going to go down that route based on what we're hearing and what we're seeing in you know, the, the gossip columns and from, from some well-placed sources as well. Yeah, and do you know what? I don't think there's anything wrong at all with buying players of that profile and that age bracket. I think when you look at 27, 28, 29, 30, even 30 plus, like players are in sort of prime of their career, a lot of them. And, you know, right now, I know we look at, as you said, the, the, the brand of football and the kind of thing that we want brands to do as director of football is you're bringing in these young talents that you can progress over a few years and maybe sell on or, uh, at the bigger teams or or hopefully by then we're able to keep them in but for now I think we absolutely need like Dave said players that are hardened to football that are that are experienced um and decoro particularly so much Premier League experience I think the age they're at is 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 fine for us for now I think they've they're going to be at the kind of peak of, of their playing ability and um, look at Leighton Baines do you know what I mean I'd have still had him playing for Everton for two seasons more I think and he's what 34 35 and and 
So I think people need to calm down when it comes to ages. People are writing off players before they've even seen them play. Um, I've no no issues with that at all. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm exactly the same, mate. The same as Sarah. I have no issues with, with players that age coming in. They're, you know, professionals. Um, I think the club will look at it slightly different or the people above will look at it slightly different as unfortunately now players are commodities, aren't they? And if you're bringing players in at 28, 29, 30 and you're paying £20 million uh, upwards, there's obviously no sell on there and we're not going to get any money back. Um, but unfortunately, we're not in that position to look at it as a business. I think we've just got to get players in that are going to hit the ground running and run it as a football club now. And, you know, we can't run it as a business at the moment. That, that, they, that's a cracking point, Matt. And there's a lot of the conversations I've been having lately with Blues is about the, the sell-on value or the lack of it because we've, we've been down this road so many times, haven't we? We look at the investments in Walcott and you look at Sigurdsson and we're getting these players for extortionate amounts of money where there is no sell-on. Where, where I think this is different and where I don't think this is a, as much of a risk is if you're investing bit 20, say 25 million into Corey, you're getting Alan for, in for a season low, maybe with an option to buy. Then those players don't quite reach the heights of those fees that we paid in the past for players that don't have that selling value. Plus, they don't come with the baggage in Premier League terms. Sigurdsson at Swansea, a little bit of a mirage, wasn't he? Because we all thought, well, he's just going to bring these set-piece gems with him and he's able to, to, to slice open defences when in reality that wasn't the case when he came to us and he's been really, really poor. Um, is, is that just his level and he just looked better in a poor Swansea side? That feels like it's more of a sensible thing to say about him now. But with these guys, they, they offer something different in terms of the physical attributes. And I think that is such a big thing for us right now, of getting players that are physically built for the Premier League. Uh, because any of those midfielders, each one of them are lacking. Even Gomez is, is lacking that pace. You look at Sigurdsson, doesn't have either pace or strength, it seems. And, and Davis similar as well. You're not looking at any sort of penetration in the midfield. And every time you get the ball, it's either square or backwards. These guys that we're looking to get into Corre, powerful runner, likes to get forward, a bit more box to box. Alan, as we've seen, loves to get stuck in, loves to put his foot in. They're the natural abilities of those players. We haven't signed anybody like that. And for the relatively small sums we're talking about, you sort of have to write it off because if they're going to be the success we hope they are, they wouldn't have a sell-on value anyway because they'd still be at the club at the age of 31, 32 and looking towards the end of the career. You get them in now in their prime, three, four years left in, in terms of how good they can be. That, to me, is, is a little bit more risk-free than going for somebody in the Premier League who we know has had flaws, i.e. Alex Wolby, Theo Walcott, Kofi Sigurdsson. Can you not flip that on its head, though, and say, if you're signing players, and I think it's... I think I'll probably say that the Corey and Alan are both a bit past the best. The Corey's dropped off a little bit in the last couple of seasons at Watford, and Alan was one of the best midfielders in Serie A a couple of years ago. And in recent years, he's lost a, a bit of his pace, he's lost a bit of his tenacity, and that's why ultimately Nat- Napoli are looking at selling him now. You're bringing in players between the age of 27 and 29 for their physicality. That is one of the things that goes when you get to 30, 31, 32. And we've seen it with Sigurdsson, haven't we? How old is he now? 31. It's just gone. That but energy. he never had that in the first place, man. Did, that, that, this is the point I'm, I'm, I'm saying. When did you ever see Gilfie Sigurdsson at Swansea? Yes, he was a workhorse and ran a lot, but he didn't run quickly. And he wasn't shoulder-bites or throwing himself into tackles either, was he? 
Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that Decore and Alan run quickly. They, they, they both bring more presence to a central midfielder. I mean, we move about the pitch differently to Sigurdsson, but it's still work rate, it's still stamina, it's still energy. That, that's what I'm sort of putting this in. If, you, if you're buying players with that in mind, then that, that would be more of a worry to me, to be honest. If we're going to sign players who are a, a bit older for a bit of money, I'd rather they were more technical and not, 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 you know, not lads who are going to have to depend on the physicality when they get to a certain age, because that's the, the thing that does go. And, and when you're a player that relies on that physicality, be it your strength, your energy, your pace, and that goes, I think those players find it harder to adapt to later in the career than somebody who is, is based on the technical ability. And that's, that's probably the, the worry to me I've got with all of this. Well, is 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 the core I mean, you saying the core peaked at twenty seven? I think he's. I think he's probably a, a, a poor season last year and was okay the season before. Probably the season before Marcus Silva came to Everton was his, his best campaign in the Premier League. I'd say. Oh, fair, fair enough. No, I, I think I think it's a good point. It's a good counter argument to be honest. It's, it's a decent debate in it, but it, it comes back to what I've said to a lot of people when we've had this argument on on Twitter or elsewhere. It is, you know, every single transfer you make. Isn't isn't risk free? It's it's just simply not. You could go and sign a player. Say these guys were getting in now, five or six years younger, and we're paying double the price we would do nowadays. The risk then becomes well, we're not going to be able to sell them on if they're poor. So what I'm what I'm what I guess I'm trying to say is these fit a different profile, and you're absolutely right that there might well be a concern over Alan's longevity at the age of 29, and maybe he is past his best. Hopefully, his him being past his best is a hell of a lot better than what we have that's meant to be in an Alex Awolby prime. Do you know what I mean? At 23, 24 years old. Um, but it, it doesn't come risk-free, unfortunately. We can't guarantee these things. But then you have to then put faith in, in, in Ancelotti. Quite clearly, this will be his signing. Uh, you know, you have to say that if it's Alan. Do you, do you trust him? Is he one of us? Somebody who'll go and get even more out of than what he's getting in Napoli right now. Hmm. You'd have to put you have to put your trust in him in that regard. Yeah, uh, quickly rattle through some comments. Uh, Sarah, Mickey, Dave, anybody's got any thoughts on any of these? Just just shout out uh, and respond. Uh, Martin Carter, I thought the whole idea of brands was to bring in younger versions of Alan and Decore, rather Sangare and Santa Maria types, hungry players with a lot to prove. Uh, Ash Perser has just said, "My mm-hmm. man could bring more energy to energy and mobility to our midfield." <laughs> Uh, Rob has said, for those who worry about sell-on value, we can make up some of that cash by qualifying for Europe. Not saying that's easy, but that should be the aim. And just yeah, what, yeah. what that does, sir, is it just you know puts more poor pressure on a, a squad of players that I'm not really sure are, are capable of handling that based on what we've seen from them so far. Yeah, I, I agree, but I, I think this is why we're probably looking at doing things a little bit, a little bit differently uh, this time around. I think the comment about the director of football wanting to bring in the younger players and, and develop them and get the sell on is is exactly right. But I think just bringing in these players for now, in the way that the business is going to have to be done, we've got less time. We've had this global pandemic and everything. Get players in that exactly right. If we can qualify for Europe, and you think of the money that that brings, and then the ability to to attract more players, this is the first window that Ancelotti and Dave makes an excellent point there as well. By the way, I think you know we have just got to trust the manager at this point. Um, that's this is his first window, and it is going to take time. It's boring keeping saying how long it's going to take, and it is a project, but it is. And for now, I think certainly this window, it will be more a matter of getting players that are going to improve us for next season so that we can try and push on and get European football and get Everton more back to the, the heights of what we should be. Because right now, 
we're a long way off and um, I think to bring in some some composed players that have performed at the very best and bring them in with the squad now because as you say we need some of that because I don't look at that bunch we've got right now and, and see them see them fighting for Europe sadly no, yeah. I, I agree with you there sorry I agree with you there Matt obviously we are going to take we are taking a chance it's a massive chance uh, but luckily obviously because the, the market is slightly deflated as Dave was saying before we're not losing you know we're not losing mega mega books but I think our backs are against the wall a little bit and I think we have to sign players I think we've got to take a chance with them because our gems that we've got in the team at the moment, the likes of Luca Dinia, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, if we don't bring anyone in and we stand still, they'll want off ski. They will say, well, look, this club's going nowhere. So, and they'll want to leave themselves. And I do think there'll be people in for them. Um, so I think we've got to show them that we're looking at bringing players in and we want to move forward. Otherwise, I think they'll be they'll go. I, I agree. I do agree with that, mate. And I, that, is, that is a worry for me as well. But... I think in the same breath, the, the model which Everton have embraced, having directed the football, selling those lads, you know, as good as it will be to see all of them go, you know, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the end of the world. You know, the whole point of having a director of football and having, a, you know, what is supposed to be one of the biggest scouting networks in Europe, because if you, you get that money and you spend it on players who can come in and help improve other areas in the squad, and at the moment, I think the, the biggest worry for me in that sense is that I just don't trust the recruitment team at the football club to do that. So that's why I'm, I'm totally with you on that. But in the same breath, it shouldn't be an issue for Everton. This, you know, we've had a director of football in place for two years now. We shouldn't be sitting here panicking about the prospect of some of our best players going because it happens to every club and every club has to deal with this. Go on, Dave. No, I, I, I was just going to say, just firstly to that point, Matt, that that's that's dead right, but Everton haven't and Brands hasn't yet, and and I don't I don't write him off by any means, but he hasn't yet proven that he's he's able to do that with us. Might have done it in a different league, with a different country, and a completely different set of rules and circumstances. But he's certainly not done that with us, um, because in in terms of losing big players, we haven't lost that yet, have we? Apart from probably just a gay, uh, and that wasn't financially a great thing for Everton, was it? It's not like you can go and invest huge sums of money that perhaps Steve Walsh wasted with Lukaku. So that, the proof will be in the pudding there. If Richarlison goes next year, which I totally expect him to do, unless we have a remarkable season, you, you're probably looking around the £80 million mark, and then they'll have to reinvest. That'll be the, the, the sort of the barometer we can measure him by then, I think, in, in that way. But in the meantime, whilst we have money to spend, we don't know how much that is, of course, but we can judge it by the rumours of what these fees are going to be. The pressure is on him to firstly create something that we're able to then say, well, if we lose player X, that's fine because the team is still at a sufficient level as it is and then we can go reinvest that money. Problem being, aside from Richarlison and probably Luca Dean, I don't think we have a lot of players that are saleable assets and, and that's an issue. I think if we run out of money that Mercedes putting in, I think this season, even, even the lockdown in quite a perverse way might have helped us a little bit because the FFP has been pushed back a year, so they might feel like they can push the boat out a little bit more. And because players generally should be going for less money than normal times, Everton might well think they can capitalise on that. But I put my hand up initially because we had two comments here that I, I think are really interesting. Um, so <laughs> Mike Cunliffe says, Alan is the shit house from the evening, the centre of the park. Yes. <laughs> I, completely, I completely agree with that. Love then even the scale yeah, goes back to a point that I made towards the start of the show. And Andrew Cunningham says, they couldn't make the midfield any worse. Now, that, to me, whilst he's absolutely right in real terms, 
is a massive concern in mentality that we all, I think, need to shake from our systems because when you have that attitude, like I said earlier in the show, any play you get in, in your head, is going to improve. And that's that's simply not the case. That is the, the well-trodden path Everton have fallen down so, so many times. He's getting players in, you think, wow, yeah, Sigurdsson's great getting him in, isn't he? He's going to massively improve the squad straight away because what's there already is pretty crap. So by saying just, you know, any this anyone will do type of attitude, I think is a very, very dangerous thing for us, certainly from the fans. But like uh, like I said on the lengthy podcast with Rob Vera the other week, if anyone listened to that, Everton seem, and, and I think I said to you, Matt, Everton are so reactive that they seem to appease what the fan general thinking is. Do you know what I mean? That sort of profile of player, for instance, rather than thinking up of these ideas themselves. And, it's very, very worrying, I think, if we have an attitude of, well, oh, he's, at least he's better than Tom Davis. Any any of those sentences that contain those words, at least, well, at least, we can't go into this with that attitude because we could end up with Jeff Hendrick. <laughs> would he improve our midfield? What's that? Would he improve our midfield? Well, that's the thing. He would. But that's not the point, is it? You want, you want quality. Yeah, 100%. Uh, we'll do a few more questions. Uh, if anyone's got any uh, on YouTube, uh, Lou's coming in today. Really appreciate everyone interacting with this. I uh, really enjoying it. Uh, so, uh, David Snooks has said, I agree, Dave, on the third central midfielder. Joe Williams would be ideal for me. Is that your alter ego on YouTube, Dave? Getting people to agree with you? It's, I've just got a separate account, mate. I just type in questions. Yeah. Myself, David, David Snoop. <laughs> uh, we've had a couple of comments on the goalkeeper. David Masson has said, do you think with Pickford that his mistakes will again destroy the team's confidence? I can remember every time over the last couple of years we were getting some momentum, his mistakes would wreck it. And uh, Tufi has said, I want to think Pickford has been given a stern warning from Angelotti that if he Fs up again, he's out. Uh, Sarah, you know, there's no talk we really share about the goalkeeper. We've got some tentative links of Sergio Romero, but it, you know, it would appear that the Pickford's going to be here next year. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, it's sad to say, but I do find it a little bit concerning, um, given what we've seen from him. And I think that comment about there's been times where we've been building momentum over, you know, seasons, and then a, a mistake like the obvious one, which we all know about. Um, <laughs> You know, it really, I think it really damaged us psychologically and it took us quite a long time to recover from that. And you look at the Newcastle game where we're literally two goals up into injury time and we end up drawing the game. It's just remarkable. And, you know, this is one of the things I think if I was a professional footballer, I'd probably be the same. I get too emotional and too emotionally involved and I'd probably be wanting to stick my fingers up at, at the opposition fans and wound up by them and stuff like that but I'm not a professional footballer you know and, exactly. and I do think there's a lot of that where it does get to him and I, 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 it's human nature I think but if you're going to be performing in the Premier League you've got to be switched on at all times you can't let your personal feelings and emotions get in the way of what you're doing as a job and I think it does it must cause massive problems throughout the team if you're worried that you don't know what your keeper's going to do. When you've got players like Michael Keane, who we've seen so much, is very much a confidence player. And I think Holgate coming in the world of good and, you know, the likes of Dean and stuff and Coleman had been good, but it must affect them psychologically. So, you know, I think goalkeeper position is definitely one that Ancelotti we'll be keeping his eye on. If, if Pickford's still here next season, then let's hope we see a, a vast improvement and a bit of maturity in the way he plays because we can't keep hoarding these mistakes. 
Uh, what do you think about that one, uh, Mickey? You saying both? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think obviously Pickford's it hasn't been his ability, as his attitude has been the issue from day one. Uh, I still believe he thinks he's a lot better than what he is, and I think he probably still believes that he should be on a bigger and better club. I think that's the attitude, that's the vibe that gives <laughs> up. And um, and if someone was to come in for him, then I do I think his, his head would certainly be turned. But I wouldn't be too worried because I seen a keeper who played for Red Bull the other night. who was outstanding. Who I hadn't seen him before. Who was a who I'd be certainly be in for straight away. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. the former Liverpool goalkeeper Gracie? Is that who it, he played in the semi the other night against uh, Paris Saint Germain? He was outstanding. Yeah. He was only yeah. in Liverpool. Wasn't a funny he? story. I was going to say, Matt, there's a funny story behind that, isn't it? Because he was playing for Hereford. When before RB Leipzig was formed eleven years ago, so wow, some some rise to prominence that isn't it? Sevilla keep on as well than me against United. Yeah, I I think there's a there's a silver line and to pick with you and, and, and hear me out because I'm very much of yeah I'd, I'd happily sell him if I don't know you, you'd take a loss at this point when you have someone coming in twenty million quid for him I think you bite the hand off right now I really do because you could probably go and get somebody who's better for a fraction of that price. And not well, Mick. You know, the issue is he's a, he's a modern day goalkeeper that at his at his best when we got him at his best and when he's been his best, often been in England shirt, hasn't it? And that leads me to agree with, with Mickey there. I don't think he wants or cares about Everton anywhere near as as much as he does about England. But where that can help us and benefit us right now is his place is undoubtedly up for grabs for England right now. So there's a Euros coming up next summer that's been delayed. If Pickford goes into this season not knowing that his place is assured, then surely he has to react. Surely he has to give something extra to try and get in. If it's England that he really cares about, as we all suspect, then he's going to have to perform for Everton in order to get that jersey next summer because you've got a couple of goalkeepers lining up behind him who are more than competent and probably higher up on the scale, both of them right now, in Nick Pope and and Dean Henderson. Um, I, I I think the pair of them are probably quite a considerable way ahead of him right now. Southgate might well see that difference and think, well, I'll stick with him out of loyalty or maybe because he has performed in England's shirt, then he might get the nod. That's purely up to up to the England manager. But if Pickford values his England place much more than anywhere else he is, first of all, that's it's terrible for us, isn't it? It doesn't do anything for us if he feels like that. But maybe the one time it actually can serve as a benefit for Everton is if he feels he has to perform in an Everton shirt in order to keep his England spot. So, it, it, look, you take that, don't you? I mean, if that is if that is the case, I'm happy for that to be the case for now. And then we can look at maybe addressing it next summer. And we haven't got to make so many first-team big signings right now to start approving this squad. Because sadly, even though we've been really poor, he's nowhere near the top of the list of priorities right now, is he? No, it is infuriating though, sorry, just quickly, it, it is infuriating, I think you make a really good point there Dave, but it's infuriating when you think that there there are players like that, that yeah. you know, to think there's an Everton player that's not that bothered and you know, you want every single one of your players, you know like it, it's a long time ago and it's it's not even just being sentimental because I feel this is something that you should have at every football club anyway, but the likes, the mentality that like Bainesy, Kale, Leon Osman, Arteta, Pienaar, they all loved this football club and were so proud to, to be playing for them. And I think, yeah, if, you, if you've got players there and there's clearly been a few and still is a few there, that we want well rid of that, don't we? But uh, yeah, you're right in what you're saying that I think his, his position for England certainly under more jeopardy than it has been for a while. So 
uh, if he's still here, we we'll probably will see him uh, step up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, just one more comment on YouTube. Uh, David Hamrin said, uh, thoughts on the Lucas Acampos link uh, from David Ornstein. That was a quick video that David Ornstein did with the Athletic yesterday where he was talking about players Everton potentially interested in. And he mentioned Everton were looking at Lucas Acampos from Sevilla. Um, someone who, uh, just from, from your own point of view, has had a wonderful season at Sevilla, scored 14 goals and got three assists in La Liga, uh, moved from Marseille for, I think, for about 15 million euros last summer, uh, but I reckon that they'll be looking to get about three or four times that amount of money for him, so I'll be very, very surprised if that one came off. Uh, but yeah, we are out of time today. Thanks very much to everybody for getting involved on YouTube. If you haven't got involved on YouTube and listened to the podcast, uh, next week we'll be doing this at the same time, 5pm uh, BST on YouTube Live, so you can get involved with the comments. Uh, cheers to Mickey, cheers to Sarah, cheers to Dave as well. That has been your weekly show here on The Blue Room. We'll speak to you again very soon. Progressive Insurance protects people's cars, homes, and other vehicles. But if you've ever seen our commercials or even just heard our name, you probably already knew that. What you may not know is that we support Humble Design, a nonprofit that furnishes homes for families and veterans emerging from homelessness. Because a little help goes a long way. And a lot of help. Well, you get the idea. Now, if you already knew all of this about Progressive Insurance, we're impressed. We'll have to find something else cool to tell you next time. Find out more about how we're dedicated to our customers and communities at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Sports Social Podcast Network.